You're listening to The Age of Agility, a quick-based podcast. This is the show for people facing unique challenges with an agility mindset. You're about to hear an interview with the leaders improving processes and using flexible technology to reshape our world for the better. Let's dive in. Hello, my name is Nick LaFleur, and you're listening to the Age of Agility podcast by QuickBase, the show where we talk to people who manage some of the world's most complex projects. In this episode, we're joined by Robert Penny. Rob is a National Director of Continuous Improvement for Skanska, where he's been managing projects for the construction industry for over 14 years. He joins us to share some of his insights on balancing unique project needs for construction projects in different geographies while focusing on the standardization of construction practices and workflows. We'll also spend some time talking about building a culture that prioritizes safety and ethics as part of their plan for continuous improvement. Welcome to the show, Robert. Glad to see you. Thanks, Nick. Happy to be here. (laughs) Good talking to you. How have you been? What's new? I've been very well. Enjoying the summer, trying to keep cool. (laughs) <laughs> All good things. Yeah, there's a big heat wave in the U.S. right now and uh, yeah. finally broke over here in Boston. I don't know about where you are. Still extra hot in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we like to kind of just start learning a little bit about you. So tell us, like, you know, who's Rob and uh, what do you do and what should we know about it? Sure. So, I mean, first off, I'm the National Director of Continuous Improvement for Skanska. That's what brings me here. I've been with the company for uh, four, 14 years now. I really focus on processes and people. Being we're in the construction industry, our construction projects are built by people, for people, and we use a lot of processes, whether it's putting work in place or managing the back end of the work. So my day-to-day is meeting with project teams on sites, in offices, leading workshops, in person, virtually, and then also a lot of travel. I'm originally from New Jersey, and I'm based out of Philadelphia now. But I grew up in Skanska as a field engineer, working in Jersey, Pennsylvania, California, the Bay Area specifically, and then Seattle and the Pacific Northwest as well. So I could have made my rounds and... uh, (laughs) You got to see a little bit of everything there. Yeah. And that's really cool. That's something that really stuck out to me when we were talking initially is, is how you have this kind of varied experience in all these different geographies, but all working for the same organization. So it's kind of an interesting perspective you've got there. So could you just tell us a little bit about Skanska, what kind of projects they work on? Sure. So Skanska, we're an international construction company. So I work specifically for Skanska USA Building. So anything vertical. We also do do commercial development, civil projects as well. But I'm, as I said, vertical. So we're talking hospitals, stadiums, data centers, higher education, K through 12 schools. So a lot of varying degrees of projects. In the U.S., we're 22 offices, believe I'm correct on that count, and roughly a $5 billion portfolio of work revenue yearly. So it's a lot of different projects in a lot of large spread. You could probably guess the office locations, large metropolitan cities across the United States. Yeah, it's no joke, $5 billion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a lot. It's a lot which comes with a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, definitely, right? It was something that's big. So when you said vertical earlier, you meant like tall buildings or what do you mean by that? That was a little bit of construction jargon I threw out there. So civil is going to be roads and bridges, so horizontal work. And when we say vertical, it's Buildings, yeah, yeah, construction, but also can go can go down too. Can we go in the ground? <laughs> sure, like a parking structure or something, right? Exactly. Okay, cool. No, no, that's good to know. I actually I hadn't heard that one before, and it makes a lot of sense now you explain it. 
Going back to kind of uh, your role at Skanska and, and kind of what your day-to-day looks like, let's say, you know, I work at QuickBase and let's say we're going to partner with you to build a building. How would we interact? Yeah, I mean, it all starts with a need and value. As, you know, QuickBase or any customer, there, there's a need for a new building, whether it's a hospital, you know, for the community and also for the hospital network itself, if it's a new building for office and employees, or if it's a school to ultimately house students and teachers. There's ultimately a need that it kicks off with and then a value to the owner or the client who's getting it built. So we really start there. It's that outreach and understanding what are we looking to build? Why are we looking to build? And then with Skanska, we then particularly, we say, okay, here's our experience and our history of buildings. Here's how we could provide you know, value to you. Cool. So you're really there at the start, kind of just like making sure that from the get-go, just like really kind of approaching this methodically. Absolutely. And then also, you know, it's the, the reason people will reach out for an expert is try to give some input and opinion on maybe different solutions you hadn't thought of or a new option that, that might work even better or a different interpretation. Yeah. So it's really a partnership between the builder, the designer, and the owner that we work for. It's not so much separate. And that, I mean, that must be difficult to manage too with so many clients. So kind of thinking about uh, kind of your field of expertise, continuous improvement, that's something that uh, we talk about a lot in the technology space. But I think it can vary depending on where you work. So could you tell me a little bit about what that looks like in your day-to-day or what, what that means at Skanska? Yeah, absolutely. So for us, I'll, I'll use the quote. I'm sure we've all heard it, but there's, there's no improvement without standardization. If you don't have a standard, there's no basis for improvement. So we start with a standard on the quality of work. So we have processes from how we pour concrete, how we hang steel, how we commission buildings, and then how we turn it over to the owner. That being said, I mean, there's so many variables in today's, I don't even want to just say market and construction in the world. You're talking technology, you're talking people, there's always going to be new, exciting, different, better ways to do work. So for continuous improvement, getting back to the question, it's all about empowering our people to know that they can make change, that we're here to support them to make change and to help them along the way to actualize that change into actually happening. Or it doesn't go into implementation, but we explored. We did some research, not necessarily failed, but we now know and are better for it. So continuous improvement is all about that empowerment and encouragement side. Cool. And it doesn't sound too much different than how it kind of plays out here either. It's probably just the different ways that this work gets done that's, that differentiates. It really is. And I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too much, but I think it's very exciting. Like when, in the two different spaces, you look at waterfall versus the agile and the um, iterative function. It's very much the same with construction projects as well. We have really adopted that as well in continuous improvement. So we're, we're always looking, plan, do, check, act. How can we improve? What was the plan like? How did it go? So it's, it's, it's really adopted what I believe came from software development is making its way into construction. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> that is really exciting. And it's funny because construction is like probably not one of those industries you think of when you think about innovation, but there's so much work going into it because these projects, something you told me when we, we met and I've been learning more about is how construction projects are completely wildly different from each other. And even in the same city. 
I feel like when you take that idea and then expand it across, you know, the country or the world, like your company's doing, there's probably a lot more to a lot more variables to take care of. How do you reconcile that? How do you manage that? We're probably going to hear this one a lot. I hope I don't sound like a broken record. But for me, I come back to value. I feel like that is where the whole road of continuous improvement for for my journey and, and construction as well is. We have so many different parties involved, owners, designers, contractors, subcontractors, the end users. So it's all about what is the intent of this building? What value is it going to give to the end users? What value does the architect see in seeing their vision and their design come to fruition? The builders and the crafts um, folks out in the field building, you know, it's an art. What are they trying to do? Put the best work in place possible. So at the beginning of all, whether it's a, a, a full project or just a back-end process, it's all about what does success look like and defining that. So for me, if I can if I geek out, you know, talking lean and continuous improvement, I'm really big on conditions of satisfaction in exercise to understand what does success look like using choosing by advantages to make the best decisions possible to try and get there, defining value. So really focusing on those, it seems very basic, but that is always where I start because if you understand where you're trying to go, generally all the parts and pieces will come together. But, but boy, even if you're organized and you don't have that North Star, it can get really hairy. I'm sure we've all been in meetings like that where it's clear that the goal is not uh, clear to everybody. Yep. Yep. That alignment. So key. What does that look like? You know, when you start talking about job sites across, you know, in different geographic areas and different cities, what sort of things do you need to control for there? Oh, there's a great number of variables. So first you have your basics. There's always, you know, you've got, you've got time. Time is an issue. You've got logistics. Where is it as in the center of the city? Is it, is it outside? Is it, you know, maybe at a greenfield site where there's not many limitations? Those are always wonderful. And then you have money. So your time, location, and money are always big factors in the beginning. But then you come towards weather conditions. What part of the country or the world are you building in? Is it going to be raining most of the time up in you know the Pacific Northwest, or is it going to be sunny the whole time down in uh, Southern California? Those large impacts to how we plan to build a project, and then, and I think that you know I'm mentioning this last, but it's one of the largest ones: the people. There's folks who are going to plan it, who are going to build it, who are going to move into it, and we all know the the diversity of people in the world it it, it makes a, a large difference on what we're building it for and how it's going to be used and who's going to build it so yeah there's a lot of variables <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> you listed a ton of them there and that is like you know not no, no joke and um, we talk about you know at QuickBase we hear a lot about you know some of our customers who are in the construction space and the building space and they talk a lot about these things too, right? And like how time and budget constraints or, or time is ultimately the biggest thing that costs money, right? So it's people, it's equipment, it's permits, licenses, whatever it might be. But when you start talking about kind of like, oh, is it going to be wet or dry? Like that's going to impact how long it takes to pour a basement or do something with concrete. Yeah. And it's, and I feel like it goes back to that value and the and what does success look like? Because you can really understand like, 
okay, so if time is most important, then maybe we use a different option that costs a little bit more money. Or maybe we use a different, I don't want to say level of quality, but a different finish type to, to give you the same value. It's not compromise. It's more value engineering. How can we deliver that best product that delivers all that value? What's kind of top of mind when you're thinking about these projects? What are the values that you always keep in mind, you know, when planning these projects? Uh, Honestly, purpose and impact. Really going back to one of the reasons I do like working for Skanska so much, you know, the slow, we build what matters. We're very community centric and impact centric, knowing that the work and the buildings we're putting up are actually impacting the end users and the communities. So I really tried to to start there and understand when, when you enter into a, a construction project, much like I would imagine you know, a team at QuickBase or you know a, a software development team, you're deeply passionate about the work you're doing. You're immersed within the project and there's a lot of care. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of meaning behind the work for those people. So it's understanding what is that? What does the design mean to the architect? What will this building mean to the company? What will the the trades folks out, out in the field like? I, I really try to start there. I think that's most important. And once once you figure that out, and, and maybe I'd like to think this is the superpower. You know how to communicate with everyone. You know what's important to them, and you know what to respect, and they know vice versa for you. So once you have that harmony then you can start tackling, well, this is a really complex design. This is a really tight schedule. We need to work on the budget. Once you get that alignment, all that falls into place. That's a really interesting point you bring up, which is like, it's not just about getting everyone on the same page. It's about being able to like, kind of meet them on the same level, right? Being able to speak their language a little bit and understand what, you know, is motivating them or driving them or causing them pain. Yeah, this might be a hot take, but I, I know this from experience. At the end of a project, very rarely, if you're, you're working for an, an owner or a design team, if you gave pushback in the beginning of the project and said, you know, I don't know that's the right wall panel system to use. I don't know if that's the right foundation. It's actually going to cost a little more, but it's going to provide this value. At the end of the project, very rarely is anyone upset with that. They're actually happy that we're talking about this. It's the reason you hire experts. It's to have that back and forth, you know, that uh, intellectual jousting to get to the right solution. So I always find that doing that up front, everybody's always much happier in the end having known and talked about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it goes back to the saying, like, stitch in time, right? Like, it's so, like, just making sure that you're kind of raising the questions and the concerns the right, you know, early in the process so that way... It's at least understood. Yes. Yeah. It's really funny. You know, we, it, the more I talk to people managing these projects and talk in different industries and things, the more similarities I tend to find between the approach. And it's really just, you know, it really comes down to understanding, like, how people receive information, how they communicate, and then being able to, like, use that information to communicate clearer or better or whatever it might be. Yeah. We're seeing a great deal of folks coming from non-construction engineering backgrounds joining the industry because you're, you're right. The, the skill sets really do translate well when, when you get into 
project management, product management, managing teams, managing deliverables, you start to realize, well, wow, I have a specific interest in construction and design. I could apply those and come from tech. I could come from accounting and finance. So it's been really, I feel it's opened up a door for people who are passionate about building, but maybe didn't come from that background. And, and, and you just, you really see that come through in their work. Makes me think, actually, I, I never really asked you this. What got you involved in the construction industry? How'd you get started there? Well, I'm a more traditional path. So I'm at my father actually worked for Skanska. He was a general superintendent. So in the field and all my uncles are foremen as well. We got plumbers and carpenters. I was always really interested in it. And I grew up making, you know, little woodworking projects. I took auto shop and wood shop. And then eventually I went to, to college for at Drexel in Philadelphia for construction management and business. So I started off in the field engineering and project management side. And then I found out this whole world of continuous improvement. <laughs> hey, yeah, no, I mean, I think I, I love that. It's something that you've always been interested in and always passionate about. And it's cool that you're able to, I don't know, grow and change your career within that space too. Yeah, that really has been, it has been great and also interesting to see how it's, you can find a new niche even within the, the area you're existing in. It's pretty cool. So we talked a lot about kind of the, how do you get ready for a project? How do you get everyone on board? You know, what, how do you do this? But once you kind of have all that buy and you get everyone on board, what role does technology play in tracking and, and maintaining and reviewing how these processes work? Oh, it's huge. That's huge. I mean, tech has been such a benefit in the construction industry. And it's um, the adoption has not been without challenges. And, and we're still finding ways to use it. But the more it becomes integrated, the better the results we're seeing from it. How do you, as somebody kind of overseeing continuous improvement across the country, be able to get like visibility and how a job site in Seattle might be doing? That is where technology comes in for us. And you just said the one word there, visibility. And the connection to the field now with technology is better than it's ever been. For example, our folks in the field have iPads, so they have the latest to-date current drawings in the field, which sounds simple, but is it a huge problem not having the most current design documents? We've got 360 cameras that are doing inspections before we close up a wall. So we're documenting what that looks like in the times of over the past two years when we had to be virtual. There's cameras on site that are documenting the job site that you can log into from a remote location and say, hey, I want to walk down to the end of the corridor on the second floor. And you can do that. So that connection to the field has been huge. In addition, so for me and the company monitoring from, you know, at a national level, but then the vice versa, our field folks can now ask questions, take a picture, mark it up and send it back and get an immediate response from design teams on, hi, is this connection supposed to look like that? So just that ability to send information, not without its challenges in organization, but it's just, it's an access that we did not have even 10 years ago. It's very interesting how much technology's accelerated in the workplace over the last few years, and that especially with the you know pandemic and everything. But hearing more and more about you know iPads and job sites and these sort of things, it must solve a lot of problems that were previously because of just human error on paper processes. Oh yeah, I mean 
a very, a very simple one using digital contracts. Massive when you think of FedExing and you know all the waste with the paper and you know hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents. It was actual. It's time. It's money. It's effort. I mean, it's amazing. This these small. I don't want to say small yet. Yeah, simple technological tools we have now that just make such a huge impact. Yeah, the technology offers so much for you and the folks in the field and probably everybody at Scanska. But are there any challenges getting folks on board with with new processes like that? I think the the most positive and best way I've seen for adoption of technology and construction is that you find problems and then apply a solution to them as opposed to finding a solution and then looking for the problem because the project teams, they can sense that right away. And they're saying, this seems like someone just wants to use technology on the project. But if you take the time to understand and say, okay, what issues is this project team having? And how can I find a tool that we know works and and help them out? And that the second you do that adoption, I think becomes I don't want to say seamless, but much simpler. So it's really understanding the day-to-day work that the project teams do and then finding the tools that exist out there to help them out. That's the number one key to adoption and construction. The second part is the uh, ever-changing technology. So continuous improvement processes are my world and near and dear. And when you build a process that involves a technology and then that technology is updated or completely changed and now it's a new platform, you change vendors, it's, you start to realize, oh, wow, there's a wrench in this awesome process we had. So to sort of, I want to say combat that, we've started to develop our processes on what is this process doing? What does this successful process look like? Where's the value? And then we plug the tech into those processes. And we found that that prevents us from being hindered when a a technology changes or when a platform changes or if something new comes along and we want to use it, we have that ability to switch out because we're not so tied. That's been a challenge, but then also something we found a a way to work around. Yeah, let's stay flexible, I guess, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there's so much cool stuff out there. It's like, we don't want to miss out on anything. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And it, that's that's something that I think gets overlooked. You know, continuous improvement is kind of seen as this like cyclical, you know, how do we do it? How can you do better kind of over and over again? But it actually is also about incorporating kind of the constant change that's out there in the world too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we could go into a whole low code, no code with that coming in now. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's... I'm happy to talk to you about that anytime, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, let's, let's keep it on you though. I don't think we need to talk about quick base too much here. A few questions I've got for you. Something that we talked about a little bit when we first met was kind of the focus on safety and ethics as part of continuous improvement, as part of project management. And I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit more. And what role does that play? If it's a complicating factor, if it makes things simpler, what's the value for me personally, the value is the, the purpose and the meaning. There is a reason, you know, plug for Skanska is like, I think this this past year, we're number 17 on the Forbes uh, or Fortune change the world list. So, and that's not just construction companies, that's 
all organizations. So the fact that we build buildings, but there's also such as deep focus on we build what matters and we're actually impacting society, that for me, it's that purpose and meaning of this is why I do what I do. So now we're talking about we want to work ethically. We want to build safe. We care for life. You now have these values that we live by. And the folks within our organization, I'd say it's it's deeply entrenched in who the people are in and outside of the company. Getting back to the question, it makes the work more complex. So we need to be thoughtful and careful when we build a project in Seattle. Are we being salmon safe? And is there runoff going into the waters? It's extremely important. When we're building near wetlands, you know, are we are we impacting? Is that like are we impacting the environment, the carbon footprint? You know, what what is our use? Are we recycling materials? Are there is there a lead rating on this building? Is there enough bike parking spaces and electrical vehicle hookups? There's so many avenues. I think you can see you can go down now, which which makes it more complex. Sure, but I don't know. Arguably, a more complex project or problem is like more fun to work on. Oh, yeah. We love complexity here. And I think something we talk about a lot is like how we just live in a world that is inherently complex. And so it's not about eliminating that necessarily. It's about making it easier to understand. Yes. Yeah. That and, and being able to see it. I love that that clarity of the complexity. You know, put it all out there and then sort from there. Yeah. And you brought up some really interesting kind of like factors or considerations for, or, you know, like with the, the salmon or, or being near wetlands, right? What are some other like really specific regional considerations? Gosh, um, you know, noise. Noise is a huge one, d- depending on where you're working on. Light pollution. Building data centers generally aren't in, you know, densely populated areas. So you have light pollution and, and weekend work considerations. The salmon safe is a big one. Oh, airports. Airports are also very specific. We, um, LaGuardia and uh, Moynihan Train Hall are two really big projects we're pretty proud of that were just completed. And you've just got a whole host of things to consider when you're talking about TSA and airplanes and transit. And it's just, yeah. I can imagine. Moynihan is a Penn Station, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 I just, I was just there a few weeks ago and it's beautiful now. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's fantastic. But definitely no small feet, huge space. No. And, and that is another one I, I really enjoy when we're able to work on them is uh, restorations and landmarks. So you're talking about preserving the existing structures in some sense, but then also uh, like Moynihan building a totally new and updated facility within that. It goes back that when you ha- when you have the right people working on it, that problem all all of a sudden becomes very interesting. It's a complex to solve, but it's engaging. Yeah, uh, I mean, you strike me as uh, somebody who gets really excited by a difficult problem to solve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I like it. I do. <laughs> That's most of the questions I had for you. I feel like we learned so much about what you do at Skanska and um, what that looks like, what you think about, what keeps you up at night, but. Tell me a little bit about yourself, what it, what's going on in your life and, um, you know, looking forward to anything coming up this summer or. Yeah. Um, well, I just turned 35 this year. So I've got three physical challenges on the list. I'm doing a triathlon, an ultra marathon, and then a hundred mile bike race. I have that coming up in the next uh, 
over the next three months. Wow. Yeah. All of them are in the next three months? Yeah. yeah. Wow. In, All right. End of August, end of September, end of October. And then I'm done for holiday season. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I think you'll have burned off all the calories that you'll need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, for work, truly being at Skanska for 14 years, I'd say now more than ever, the, the leadership we have at the company has never been better. And it's really exciting to see the company embrace continuous improvement and just we're doubling down on doing the work the best we can. And it's really exciting. There's, there's nothing more in my mind for, for my career and work life that to actually have deep care and deep meaning and then to see that reflected in the other folks I work with. So that's super exciting. Oh, yeah. I mean, none of these projects are going to get less complicated. So it's, it's good to hear that, you know, the organization sees that. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate having you here today. Is there anywhere folks can kind of keep up with what you're up to? Absolutely. Find me on LinkedIn. That's where I post most of my stuff. And uh, yeah. Cool. Thanks so much again for joining us today, Rob. Uh, really appreciate your time and, and just learning more about what you do. And for all of you out there, if you want to keep up with us, please look up Age of Agility on your favorite podcast player, or you can go to quickbase.com slash podcast. Don't forget, you can keep up with Rob on LinkedIn. We'll put a link to his profile in the show notes, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks to learn more from folks managing the complex projects that are reshaping our world. Thank you. You've been listening to The Age of Agility, a QuickBase podcast. Stay connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. Please give us a rating, leave a comment, and share episodes you love. Until next time.